got it fixed. Right, this down. Okie doke. Listen up. Good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, if you're watching us online, I know there are some watching this morning. So uh, welcome to you. Welcome to Andy's family. He's there. Some of them are watching this morning. Uh, got a got a couple of uh, things that you guys need to know about. First off, uh, we got a we got two or three people that are facing surgery that you guys need to know about. Andy Garza is is uh, you know they, I just got a text just not two minutes ago said that we just had the last test done and we'll wait for the results. Uh, he's got a tumor and a, and a blocked up heart, and he's got COVID. So he's in Houston at Texas Medical, and uh, and if guys are watching, hey guys, we're praying for you. We're gonna pray for him this morning. Uh, he was really he was kind of down because because he wanted to go home and he wasn't gonna get to go home, and and, uh, and then he got COVID. His family can't see him, so it just it was depressing for him. But anyway. Uh, I told him we'd be praying for him. He's in a good place with some good people around him. So uh, just just keep praying for Andy. If you don't know who he is, he sits way back in the back with his family. That that back row over by the by the cry room over there. That's where he sits all the time. Him and his wife, and a lot of times he brings grandkids. And Daniel comes, and you know just a whole bunch of them. So uh, that's that's the Garza family. Uh, and Ann's going to have surgery on Thursday. She tore her Achilles when she fell when she was in rehab when she recuperated and tore it. They found it the other day, and they're going to operate on her Thursday morning and, and fix her, her Achilles. So so that's coming. You all know that Adam, I mean, Alan is, is uh, still looking for results. You have not gotten them yet, right? Wednesday. Wednesday, you're going to get the results, okay? So be praying about that. Uh, and then I know that maybe you all don't know that Steve Slovacic is, is, is facing another surgery. And he's and he's not in a good place with it. Uh, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to do some hip work. He had it done here, and it didn't wasn't done real well. I'm not gonna you know it, it was there was some stuff that needs to be redone. And uh, he told me that day he said, Dan, I'm tired of people butchering on me. And he said, I'm done. I'm done with them butchering on me. And he just really was really in a really bad place the other day. But you know, uh, just just keep praying for him. Uh, you know, he just had back surgery. Now he's gonna have, he had a hip replacement. Now he's gonna have to go in, and they got they found out that the leg is longer than the other one, and just up to just it's a nightmare. So he's got some specialist, some hot shot guy in Houston that's gonna do the gonna redo this thing. Whoever that is, I don't know. So they went to Corpus, and the guy in Corpus said, "I can't help you. Got to go to this guy." And, and they then she on the phone, she got an appointment for, for the next day or something, and got in to see him. So anyway. And then uh, I talked to Cole a while ago, and, and little Ethan has a heart murmur. And I'm sure he's going to tell you guys about it. They're going to they're going to listen to it again today and see if there's anything they can do or need to do. And then he's got something wrong with his spine. Okay? They don't know if the end of his spine is attached or if it's not. I'm just telling you what he told me a while ago. If it's attached or if it's not attached, it's not supposed to be attached. Tell me. It's supposed, Cole said it's supposed to be encased in bone. The end of the spine, and he said this one is not. And they're going to have to fix it. Some kind of spina bifida, and they're going to have to. He said they can do that down the road, but they'll have to do an MRI to see exactly what's going on. If it's attached, they've got to unattach it and fix it, and they can do all that. So, we be praying for him, and we pray praying for Jessica, because now it looks like they're not going to get to come home until Monday, maybe. So anyway, so uh, that was what he said a while ago. All right. So that's all the that's all the dire stuff I've got. On a happier note, 
We got a birthday boy in the house. His name is Aaron. And he's sitting right there. And I asked, I asked, I asked her. I said, "Would well, it okay if I embarrass him?" She said, "Sure, that'd be fine." So he's he's twenty nine of this. That work, Aaron? That work? Twenty nine work? Yeah, yeah, twenty nine work. Twenty nine work. So, so we're gonna sing Happy Birthday to him. All right. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Happy birthday to you. I told I told Vic Vic back for since he's been gone he went to see his family and I said now you're back with this family. Yeah. I want people online to know this really is a family. I mean, you know, we're, you know, we just kind of wrap our arms around each other and we hurt when people hurt. And it's good to see Bendra back here and, and good to have her here. Uh, Jeannie's mom is someone I almost forgot when I don't write them down. Uh, Jeannie's mom has, uh, has got some health issues and they're thinking about bringing her here. Okay. Uh, it's pretty dramatic uh, health issues. She's got some dementia stuff going on and it's going to be, very taxing for her and Brent. She want they're going to try a trial run in June, right? In June. Yeah, in June we're going to do trial run to see, to see if this if this is going to work. If y'all going to be able to do this, so uh, Brent is a uh, is you know of course Brent's going to have to help and you're going to, have to help and you know it's going to be it's going to be tough. But anyway, we're going to be praying for all of that. All right. I may not have time to pray for all this here right now, but guys, remember that you can write it down. Pray for pray for Brent and Jeannie and and her mom's name is Eva. Uh, and just pray for her and pray for that situation. You know, it's tough being caregivers. It's easy to be caregivers at a distance. It's a lot more difficult to be caregivers on site. It's, it's different. Let me tell you, it's different. So anyway, we're going to pray and, and we're going we're gonna to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, it's where we're going to be this morning. Uh, I hope everybody gets, uh, you know, because truly, guys, it is truly a privilege to be able to study God's Word. I, I don't know if you guys understand how much of a privilege it is to study God's Word, to have it in front of us where we can study it and we can learn from it, and then what an honor to apply it to our lives. That truly is an honor and a privilege. So let's pray, all right? Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. We're grateful, Father, for this, for the, for this day that we can come together as a family and worship and honor and glorify you, and, and especially right now for this next bit of time that we can study together. And to see what it is that you that you are trying to tell us to do, Father, we pray your your blessings upon each one of us, uh, those of us here and those of us online, that we might uh, we might truly look at this from a perspective of what do I need to apply to my life and what do I need to do to be better, Father. It's a, it truly is a privilege and an honor to be a part of this, Father. Bless these those folks we've talked about. Uh, be with Ann and her doctors, be with Andy and his doctors, be with Alan and his doctors, uh, be with Steve and his doctors, and be with Eva and, and that situation, be with little Ethan. Father, we got so many, Father, here that are that are that have some health issues going on, things that we need to know about, things that, that you need to have your hand, that you, we ask that you have your hand on, and that you, uh, that you do the things that you do uh, well, Father, helping us to cope and helping them to get better. And, Father, we pray your blessings upon each one of them as they go through their surgeries this, this week and, and their, as their tests come back and things are planned and done. And, Father, we pray for each one of them. Bless us. And, Father, we again, we pray for Jeannie and Brent as they deal with, with her mom. And we pray, Father, that that will go well, that you'll help us to be a, a, a help to them in any way we can. 
And, Father, the same for all the rest of these, Father, too. Bless us, encourage us, lift us up, Father, as we go forward this day. And thank you again for this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And, again, thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for coming and being part of us on, online. We're, like I said, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And last week I told you that, that Paul writes to Timothy and tells him, you know, man, you're doing a great job. And, and if you look at verse 6, it says, if you point these things out to the brother and sister, you'll be a good minister of Christ. You're nourished on the, on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. That you've been following the things to do, and you've been telling them, and you've been telling them what to do. And he said, but there are some things that you need to continue to do to, to build yourself up so that you will not lose heart, so that you will not be, be blindsided here. And I told you last week, these are some things I think that we need to apply to our own life. Whether you're a minister or not, whether you're a leader or not, most all of us are leaders in one form or another. We may be a leader on the job, we may be a leader in our home, we may be a leader in church, but you are going to lead one way or another. And if you just come in contact with someone in Walmart, you may have the opportunity to lead them to a place of different mindset just by the way you act, the way you talk, the way you think, and the way you carry yourself. So all of us, all of us can apply these principles to our lives. Last one, the one we looked at last week, he said, train yourself to be godly. And we talked about that most of the class. Train yourself to be godly. And that is, a, that is a, a, I think, absolute that we need to work on. And it's so easy to get caught up in the, in the nonsense of the day. It's so easy to get caught up in the nonsense of what's going on around us. I watched a clip the other day of a lady who is a, a state representative in Arizona. Not, a, not a, 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 a federal, but a state representative. She's one of the representatives, and they and they were losing Bibles in the uh, in the uh, in the common area for the representatives in a in a lounge area, and they they had Bibles out, two or three Bibles, and they were losing these Bibles. So they put a camera, without telling anybody, they put a camera up, and they caught this state senator stealing the Bibles, and she was hiding them. She's hiding them up the cushion. She had one in the icebox. They opened the icebox, found an icebox. That's not the kicker. She's an ordained Presbyterian minister. You can't make this stuff up, guys. You know, I mean, you know, I'm just telling you, our world is nuts. There's a lot of nutty stuff out there. And when you come to the place where you sit and look at it and say, okay, I'm going to train. I'm going to start going into training in my life with someone I know is not nuts. And that's God. That God's always going to tell me the truth, and I'm going to train myself in that endeavor. I'm going to work hard at it. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to, I'm going to give up things that I need to give up. I'm going to do things that I need to do that are going to get me on the right path. And then if you look at verse uh, verse 10, he says, this is, this is the second one. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Okay, so number two, put your hope in the living God. All right? Now I got some I got some questions I'm going to ask you about this one. I don't know how long this one will take us because I got I got we got four of them to do, three more to do. But I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 40. All right. And we're just going to read one verse. This is what Isaiah tells the nation of Israel. Okay. Chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40, and verse 31. The last verse in Isaiah chapter 40. But those who hope in the Lord 
will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now, we know physically that's not true. All right? But spiritually, when I put my hope in God, and He is the center point of my life, and I am and I am hoping in things that are real and have substance and not what the world passes down as, as things to put our hope in, you know, I can get to a point where I'm where I'm running and I'm soaring like an eagle. You know, I felt like that. Haven't you before I felt man when I when we know we're doing the truth, we know, man, I feel I feel on top of the world. Because I know and sometimes a question, well, how is it I know this stuff and that person doesn't? But when you look at this, and I want to take you to another text, look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into inheritance. I'm not going. I, I want you you know, he, he tells me over here, he tells Timothy, put your hope in the living God. Okay? Now, the world puts out a lot of things out there that we hope in, that can, we can hope in, that are not this. Okay? Tell me something that the world put, says, put your hope in, that is not this. It, I, let me, I'm going to say, now get to you. Say, putting your hope in something that is inanimate and dead is not hope. Okay? Hope is a confident expectation. I expect something, you know, I, I expect something to happen, and so I'm going to bank on that hope, that confident expectation. That's what hope is. I have a confident expectation. Okay? And if I'm, if I'm going to serve a God, I want it to be a God who's alive. Right? If I have a living hope, then I have then it that it's gonna be on a, in a living God. He tells me if Jesus doesn't come out of the tomb, then where's my hope? What's my hope in? The same as the world. Same as the world. Doesn't have any substance to it at all. Now, tell me what it is that some that people in the world put their hope in. Okay? And that, that is that is not this at all. Tell me something. Hmm? I just read on my phone this morning about a satanic convention this weekend that's happening up in Boston area. A satanic convention that's happening this weekend in the Boston area. Okay. All right. If you believe this book, if you believe that this is God's word, all right, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I know what will happen, all right, but if you believe that this is God's word, does God give us ample information about Satan and his future? Does it give us ample information? All right? To say I'm going to follow and I'm going to put my hope in something that at some point is going to be burned and dead, didn't that sound ridiculous to you? Yes. It does to me. Because he tells me to put my hope in a living God, not in something that is abstract and dead. Okay? So if these people, sadly, I mean, and sadly in some schools, they're teaching this same thing. You know, they want they want clubs for satanic clubs if you're going to have a club, of, you know, a prayer club, then you have to have a satanic club, too. I mean, in some schools, in some junior high and high school schools. I've heard that. I don't have an experience, but I've heard that. So, you know, I mean, so what else? What, what, do you, what do you find that people are trying to push off as something that you can hope in from the world's perspective? What is it? Yeah, Caleb. Science. Science? Explain. 
Um, there's this idea that you can, that, that mankind can control everything with science. Okay. That they, we can basically become our own gods okay. through science. You've heard the, the AI era that's going on right now. Right. You know, you know they, they, I mean, I haven't even paid attention to some of it, so I'm not really versed on it, but, but it's a thing out there. It's called artificial intelligence. And they believe that artificial intelligence will be able to recreate itself, that it will be able to recreate itself and become its own god. I heard that the other day. So really, it's a machine. Do you really want to put children in a machine? How many of you got machines in your house? How many of you got machines machines in your life? How many of you? I got a phone call the other day. It said, I'm broke down. I'm over here on 59 by Lynn Motel. <laughs> Call a record. It's broke. Broke. You know? If you have machines in your house, they are going to break. Put your holes in a microwave. See what happens. <laughs> You know, put your hope in a hot water heater and see what happens. When you need it the most, you know what you'll be doing? Boiling water on the stove. Because it went out, and now you got to take a shower. I'm just telling you, I mean, stuff happens, right? What else? Give me another something else that somebody, you know, I mean, science, I mean, we, we, we can go all day long about things that science believes that they're proving are not true. I saw one the other day. They're believing now that the world may not be 6 billion years old. Okay, you know, I mean, I, I didn't go any farther with it. I don't really care, but you know, I already, I already know that I don't care what that comes out to. I really don't care. All right, I know that God created. I don't care when He did. It. I really don't care. I don't care if He did it then, if He did it later. I don't, I don't care. All I care about is did He do it, and is He real, and did He, is He the one who was involved? And I think you can prove that. Okay. All right. Now, what else? Something else that that money. money. How is that working for y'all? How is the money thing working for y'all? Huh? You still get sick. You still die. Still you still body. get sick. You still die. Man, this is this is gonna get morbid here. I think. <laughs> I mean, no amount of money is going to to add an hour to your life. Okay. That Jesus says that. What? You know what do you? You know how many of you have found yourself chasing after the Almighty Dog and doing things that are that are in concert with with having more and more and more of it. Most of us can say yes. Most of yeah, us can say yes. Only one brave soul raised his hand. <laughs> Scott raised his hand. You know, I can say I did that. I, I can say I can remember when I first became a Christian and I had my shop and I was making a lot of money. And I decided, I, huh? How many of you got one of these? How many, how many of you are inundated with stuff on these things coming through text messages and emails to you about all kinds of stuff? Just click on one of them and see what happens. They will bombard you for the rest of your life. Yep. And it's all about because they, they know that most of us, most people in the world, will chase after that. We've got to be different than that. We've got to put our hope in something else, something that's real, something that's tangible, something that will that will absolutely help us down the road. Because I'm telling you, if you're a young family, you're raising kids, or if you're an old-timer like I am, and your kids are gone and done and doing their own thing, you, you, there's still things that are happening in my life that I'm still 
have to I have to work at putting my hope in the living God. Okay? Because because the world is telling me all day long, every day, that you're a fool, that this doesn't work, that God's not real. And they may not say that in the, in those words, but they'll say that in a roundabout way where you look around and say, well, man, I really need this in my life. I need this other machine in my life. Man, I, I really need this because, because this will help me. And then I put my confidence in that, and what happens? And it breaks too. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> she Linda bravely said one of the biggest lies is politics. You know, uh, you know, I, it is it is a. You know, you get to the point where you quit watching news and quit watching because I'm just tired. Of, I'm tired of listening to the nonsense. You know, I'm tired of watching politicians go to go to Congress, go to the Senate, wherever, and get rich. weren't rich before. How in the world did that happen? How do you how do you become we're so much money, you know, if there's not something crooked going on. And they want us to hope that they're going to make good decisions and say right things. Are you kidding me? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get off on a tangent. I don't want to do that. Yeah, and there is a saying, though. They say if you uh, watch news, you're misinformed. But if you don't watch news, you're uninformed. So, like. <laughs> that gives me a lot of comfort. A whole lot of comfort. That if I watch it, I'm what? I'm misinformed. And if I don't watch it, I'm uninformed. Yeah. Uninformed about what? The lies that they're telling? So I don't know what lies they're telling. Okay. 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 So, so what they're telling me is. Hoping your own understanding and your own intelligence, if you do that, then you can figure this stuff out. No, that's not true. No, because let's say, you know, there are things that I don't know that I'm never going to know that some guys in here do know and I don't know anything about. Personally, I don't want to know. All right? That's what they're here for. But there are things that I know that you're not going to know. And you don't need to know. All right? I know how to work on cars. I'm, I was really good at it. Okay? You know, fed my family, you know, took care of my family my whole our whole lives, working on cars, working on stuff. Didn't always get it right. But, man, I tried really hard, and I was really good at some stuff. You know, I was watching a show yesterday, uh, one of those shows on, on whatever, I don't know, and they were building a Volkswagen van. <laughs> man, I tell you what. How many of those? <laughs> and I'm watching this show, and I'm going, this is a joke. This is a joke. Because I know what's true. I know what's real. And that was a joke. Nobody builds a car like that. Nobody. Unless you have $10 million to spend. That's the way you build a car like that. So, so you know, you put your hope in that kind of stuff, you know, and, and it and it will, it's not going to sustain you. Okay? It won't sustain you. Chasing after these things that the world says are good and clean and right are not going to sustain you. The only one that will is to put my hope in living God. Okay, how do I do that? How do I do that? <coughs> Nobody? Y'all were, were, were really good before. How, what about now? Yeah, go ahead, Vincent. By believing what he says. By believing what he says. Okay. All right. Knowing what he says. Knowing what he said. All right. Okay. You know what God said? In Romans chapter 1, he says, you want to know me? You want to see who I am? You want to know my invisible qualities? My power that you can't even describe, look at creation. That's what he says. Simple. 
You want to put your hope in God? Look at creation. And honestly, analyze what you're seeing. Look at it from a perspective of, is what he's telling me true? How do I, how do I, and then you go, then you can go back. Who's that talking while ago? You know, you, you, then you can go back to the book and say, okay, I'm going to find stuff here. All right. And then you go back to Isaiah chapter 40. Go, just go look at that. And you don't have to go now. And you look at verse seven and it says, and God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. How did Isaiah know the earth was round? When he wrote it 700 years before Jesus came on the scene. How do you know? How do you know? Tell me. How do you know? He didn't know. He didn't know. God told him what to write and he wrote it. All right? God knew. We figured it out when? We figured it out in the year 1400 and something, 1490 something. That's when we say Columbus was going to, yeah, I'm going. And I'm going to end up back home because I'm going to go all the way around. They thought he was going to fall off the edge of the earth, didn't they? That's what they thought. They thought he was going to fall off the edge because they thought it was square. There's still some, there's still some, well, yeah, kind of. Flat earth. There's still some people today that believe the earth is flat. There's the science we're talking about. Yeah. I wouldn't believe it because of one verse, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 7. You've got to explain to me how Isaiah knew that. He couldn't have. No possible way. Somebody told him it was. The one that made it told him. That's what I believe. Okay? I've taken people, you know, David writes in the book of Psalms about the pathways in the sea. We didn't figure that out until about the 1800s. That there's ocean, there's the highways in the sea. That if a ship gets on a on a highway, it can go faster and go and straighter. David, David didn't even know. He didn't sail. He didn't, he didn't go in boats. You know, he was a nomad. He was a desert guy. He was, you know, you know, you want to you want to put your hope in stuff that the world talks about. I challenge you go to the book and let God teach you. That he is the one that you put your hope in. And if you won't, fine, then don't. Then believe the stuff that you're that they're gonna come home with your kids, that you're gonna read on see on TV, that you're gonna read in, in magazines or whatever. Believe that stuff. And we'll see how that works for you. Because you're gonna put your hope in this stuff and it's gonna let you down. Because the world today, you know, is 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 uh, they're depending on their salvation from that stuff. They're depending on that stuff that's going to save them and sustain them. And what do we know? It won't. The only one that's going to sustain us. First Peter chapter chapter 1, verse 3 says we, we're based, we have a living hope based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He came out of the tomb on the third day, and we have hope you know, in a living God. Yes. The only thing is that hope in a living God that's honest and true. Mm -hmm. Everything else will lie to you. Yep. And if you follow AI any. They're teaching it how to lie. So you'll ask them something or you'll say, hey, I want to produce a video with this person saying this about this context, and it'll spit it out for you. And you can't tell the difference between what's true and what's not true. They're, they're teaching it to be just like society. Y'all hear any of that? Yeah. 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 Artificial intelligence can never overcome baby stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> I have to start writing these down. I'd come up with these. Say, say it again. 
Artificial, artificial intelligence. intelligence can never overcome native stupidity. Can never overcome native stupidity. That's good. That'd be a good sermon title, wouldn't it? <laughs> and then somebody's going to say, what are you talking about? You're saying that we are natively stupid? <laughs> Go ahead. Hold on. What? You know what we do? Larry said, we, a lot of us put too much hope in ourselves. You know when we do that? You know when we really do that? When we're 18 to 30. You know why? Because we're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Get to about 35, and it starts to let down on you, and you say, well, this maybe was a bad idea. Right? Because from 18, I know me, man, eight and a half, 25 years old, man, I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Man, ain't nothing going to hurt. Man, I'm 71 years old now, and I'm going, man, everything out there that I was running with them, it's all, it was all of it trying to hurt me. All of it. You know, now I'm suffering the consequences of it. You know, I can't get out of bed. It takes me two minutes to get out of bed. Put my feet on the floor, that works okay. It's the getting up part, it's the hard part. Two minutes, you know? that's all? That's all. Right now. <laughs> it takes you longer? You see, put our hope in ourselves and see what happens. Your body's going to let you down, Right? It's going to give out. Your knees are going to give out. Hips are going to give out. You know, I mean, back's going to get Something's going to happen. We'll tell you, hey, you know, when you're his age, man, that is a, that is a, that doesn't make any sense to him. It really doesn't, does it? Because you don't see that in your life. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't, how old are you, Justin? 18. Tell him about fruit. You know, but wait until you're 35, and some of the some of your life is caught up with you, especially the decisions you've made because of things that you thought were true and honest at 18 and 19, and then you start looking around and saying, "Man, what have I done? Look at the decisions I made." Instead of it's really tough. I found it really tough to to get an 18 year old to really follow and make the the living God put their hope in the living God because there's so much out there that can twist them and turn them and Get them off track. How many of you at 18, 19 years old got off track? <laughs> Woo, man, most of you. All right? Some of you won't raise your hand because you're sitting with your parents. That's fine. That's fine. You know, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, you know, there's some of you I know some of the stuff you did. You know, I heard about some, maybe I heard about some of the stuff you did. You know? But, you know, the point is, is, is at some point there has to be a realization at some point that I'm, I, what I've done is chased after rainbows, chased after the wind. Jesus said in John 3, you won't know where the wind's coming from or where it's going, how it got there. And we try to chase after that stuff, following the things that the world says that are real. And here he tells Timothy, he said, you put your hope in the living God. Okay? Because remember, he had a lot of negativity around him. He's in Ephesus. Remember? And Ephesus was the center point of disruption of the, of the, of the church of God what it was. The goddess Diana's temple was there, and most of the converts are pagan converts, and it is it. they ran Paul out of that town. They tried to kill him, and he leaves Timothy there. I don't know if that's a blessing or a cursing for Timothy. I would like to talk to Timothy and say, what did you think when he told you to stay at, at, at Ephesus? But he does, and he's doing well. Somebody had their hands up. Yeah. A lot of the part of the way you are are the people that you've been around, too. 
Absolutely. You know, the, the people that we trusted in and hoped right. in. The people we trust. We're, yeah. the people we, how, many, how many of you still have relationships with the people that you knew when you were 18, 19 years old? Still do? One or two? Yeah. One or two? Okay. Yeah. I don't know any of them. You know why? I don't have a relationship with any of them. You know why? Because none of them were faithful to God, and I was going a different direction. I had to go in a different direction. That means I had to walk away from them. And none of them came. The only one I know is Steve Slovacic. He's the only one that I knew when I knew him when he was this big, when I was dating Georgia, and and I know him still today. Okay, he's the only one that I know is is, is coming along behind. Me. You know, yeah. The ones that I do still know are the ones that I knew through church. Yes, through church. The ones she still knows are the ones she knew through church. Okay, but but many of us, the ones we knew were people from the world. And at some point, we had to make the decision. Uh, and, and sadly, there's a lot that don't make that decision. They don't make the decision to, to sever that. Don't realize the necessity for severing that and saying, I'm going in a different direction if you want. And I told Steve way back when, I said, this is what I'm going to do. I want to be your friend. If you want to be my friend, then this is where, where I'm going. And if you want to come along, great. But if not, stay out of my way. And he came along. For a while. Went off, but he came back. So... You know, which is a good thing, but you know, I'm, I'm, you know, let's go to, let's go to the count. Let's go to the next one. I knew when I started this that we we're going to be in this for four weeks. I knew. Right. Look at verse eleven. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. All right. Let's stop right here. Number three. Set an example for the believers. In all these aspects, I'm going to take you to a, to two texts. All right, I'm going to, first I'm going to take you to what Jesus said, John chapter 13 and verse 15. Let's go there, John chapter 13 and verse 15. Now this is where Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. Okay, and this is what Jesus says. Look at verse 14 and 15. Now that I have the uh, I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should that you should do as I have done for you. What did Jesus say? See what I'm doing and and, and follow my example. That's what Jesus said. Now look at at, at Paul in First Corinthians chapter eleven. First Corinthians chapter eleven. Verse 1. Look at what it said. You follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. What did Christ tell him to do? You walk your life like I do. You, you look to me for the example. And then Paul says, you follow my example as I follow Christ. How many of you can look someone in the face and say, I'm following Christ. I want you to follow me. You can follow me because I'm following Christ. Maybe you could say that. Should you be able to? Should we be able to? And 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 I heard I didn't I, I saw a lot of heads going, no, not so much. So what's the problem? Lack of confidence. Lack of confidence. That's a good one. Lack of confidence. Yeah, you know, lack of confidence in who? Myself? Not God, but lack of confidence in myself. That I'm not really the person that I'm supposed to be. Right? You can fix that. That can that can easily be fixed. By going by 
by staying close to God, focusing, putting putting your blinders on and staying focused on God, not focused on the things around you. Yeah, Kale. That could be an example of trusting in yourself. Absolutely. Rather than a trusting absolutely. in Absolutely. No confidence. There's plenty, is, is, there's plenty of people that reach out to others in ways that they don't realize that lack the confidence that God's working through them. Absolutely. Did y'all hear that? A lot of people <clears throat> reach out to others and do great things, but have a lack of confidence because they don't realize that God is working through them. Understand. You know, and we're going to talk about because there's another one he's going to say in the, the one we get to next week. He said, don't neglect your gift. And we're going to talk about that at length, all right, about your gift and what your gift is. We talked about this on a Friday night a couple of weeks ago. We're going to talk about it again, what, what that means. Don't neglect your gift. But here he said, you set an example. Now he said, set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. That covers it, doesn't it? Set an example. I don't, I don't want you to tell me. I just want you to say, in your own mind, what is it in one of those areas that I need to fix in my life so that I can be confident to have people follow me in what I'm doing? Is there something in one of those? In faith, in love, in purity, in conduct, in one of those things that I could, maybe it's the way I speak. Maybe it's how I talk to people. Maybe it's how I walk my life when I'm not in this place. Maybe I walk different in this place. I think the first thing, for those of you who have young kids at home, You've got to be the kind of example you need to be because they are seeing all kinds of examples in the world. And if you think you may homeschool them, and that's great. I, I wish that we could have all that. We could have done that. I think it would have been a lot easier, I think, if we could have done that. Uh, we didn't We didn't have that resource. It wasn't a popular thing back then, so we sent them to school. You know, and that, that okay. You know, but, you know, they're going to hear things in the world. They're going to see things in the world, and you're going to have to explain it, or they're going to have to see it in you. What is it that, I mean, even if you go, yeah, I know you guys go to trail lot. I mean, you're going to be around a lot of people that are, uh, but these are kids. Kids are going to do and say things that you say, nah, I don't really want that my kid around that kid. You know, I mean, that's what they're going to do. I mean, if y'all go to John L's and go out there and put a bunch of y'all out there, what are the kids going to do? What are they going to do? Tell me. They're going to get crossways with each other, right? And one of them's going to punch this one, or they're going to push that one down. You know, and you're going to see that. And they, they need to be able to, to learn from early age because they're seeing the world. That's what they're seeing. If they get a glimpse. I saw, I think in, in Florida, I think, or somewhere, they had a they had a, a spring break party for, for some colleges, and they expected 7,000, 50,000 people showed up. 50,000 people. They had 40 cops. What do you think happened? There you go. You can homeschool them all you want, and then you send them to college. Guess what's happened? You know, to set an example, we can start in our homes. And for many of us, me included, I wasn't the example I needed to be in my home. And it caused some problems in my home because I wasn't the example I needed to be. Didn't happen until later on where I said, man, but this is not working, man. And I looked in the mirror, hey, that's your fault. You're the one doing it. And so, you know, you look at yourself and say, okay, if I'm going to set an example for people in my life, people in Walmart, people at Target, people wherever you go, am I, am I setting the example? Or people, I mean, here, I can't say church, but come in, we all get spit, shine, and polished. Come in here. We're all, you may be smiling at a person, you can't stand them. You know, I mean, I mean, that's what we do. Isn't that what people do at church? We put on a happy face, put on our spit shine clothes, and we get all nice and proper, smell good, taste good, all that stuff. You know, and then we go do all that stuff, and we walk out, and what are we doing? We get in the car. 
badmouthed somebody that we didn't like in church in the car. How's that an example for anybody? It's not even an example. If I do, it's not even an example for her. And she does, it's not an example for me. You see? We have, to, we have to watch everything. If I'm following God and I hope in Him, then everything I do is going gonna, gonna, gonna to set an example for somebody. Somebody. Wherever they are. You know, I had somebody call me yesterday and made a comment, and I knew the comment was wrong. I knew it was. But I knew at the, to that position in that person's life, the best thing for me to do is not say anything. Because they didn't need to hear it. You know, Larry and I talked about it. They didn't need to hear it. You know? Because I, I needed, that person needed to have, had called me for encouragement. The last thing I need to do is discourage them. Okay? Somebody, yes, Judy. I want to tell all you young parents here, never, ever say anything in front of your children <laughs> that you don't want God and everybody else to know. <laughs> hey. I've, I've been on the receiving end of it. The best one I ever had was this little girl. And on Mondays, I would always encourage them to tell me, oh, what did you do this weekend? Well, I got to go do my emas, or I got to uh, go skating. This one little girl stood up and said, the police came to our house. I had that happen in my house just yesterday. <laughs> from an older son that told off on his mother. You know, I won't tell you if she wants to tell you, she can tell you, but now I put it out there, now it's on the internet. So. <laughs> no, it, it was it was funny, but you know, it, what you're going to do, it's going to get back. I mean, you can't hide stuff that you shouldn't be doing. You can't hide this stuff. You just can't. You know, so he said, set an example. And I'm going to read it, and then we're going to be done. Set an example of the, to the for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Take that with you when you go over there this morning and take it when you go home and ask yourself, what do I need to fix in my life to make sure that I can do that for my children, for my wife, for my son, whatever it is, how can I do that better? And next week we're going to look up about the gift, and I forgot, we got a whole other verse to go that's going to take us by another couple of weeks because there's so much in there. So, hey, we're going to, we're going to keep attacking this text. All right, thanks, guys.